Hello and welcome to Things I Wish Someone Told Me About God with Eric Green, author, producer, songwriter, recording artist, and senior pastor of the Father's House in Eugene, Oregon. I'm your host, Cody Willis, and I'll be facilitating this podcast and interviewing Pastor Eric on a variety of topics pertaining to our walk with God, the ministry of the gospel, and the practical outworking of our lives in Jesus Christ. So, Thank you for joining us for a lively discussion that we hope challenges and inspires you to think more deeply and biblically about your relationship with God and men. Most importantly, Pastor Eric believes we should all be learning more and more about our God because he has a beautiful purpose and a plan for you. In today's episode, Called and Chosen, Part two, we're continuing a conversation from a previous episode that aired on January 25th. And Pastor, I just want to pick up right where we left off in part one of this conversation. And the scripture that we ended with was out of Hosea chapter six, verse six, which says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, Some powerful stuff there, Pastor. What I'm hoping we can talk about, just to kick off this conversation, is that word know or knowledge. It pops up in in both of the passages that I just read. Uh, The word knowledge, Cody, has everything to do with relationship. One of the things I wish someone had told me about God is everything that's important to God has to do with us coming to him according to what he's revealed to us in Jesus. That is what relationship with God is, is coming to him through his son with whom he has relationship. And if we're going to have relationship with him, we too will have relationship with the son. Um, Worship is coming to God according to the way he prescribes, and he prescribes that we come to him through Jesus, so that there is nothing between the Father and the Son, and there'll be nothing between us and the Father if we come to him in the Son. The Hosea passage makes that very clear, that God is not interested in anything that we offer him unless it comes to him according to his leading, because he will always lead us in a way that honors him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what we point at, and that's what we offer him that matters. That's what we offer him that pleases him, and that's what it means to really know God, to be intimate with him. We're intimate with him through his son. Pastor, you mentioned that knowledge speaks of relationship, and the word that comes to mind for me is is oneness. I'm hoping we can just talk about that a little bit, because Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, in his prayer, he said that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. And I'm just reminded, Pastor, of just the knowledge and the intimacy uh, between like a husband and a wife. The, the, the scripture says in Genesis that the two may become one. Can you just 
talk about the importance of that oneness as it pertains to this knowledge and, and relationship that we're called to? Absolutely, Cody. Unity is everything to God. Not unanimity. We don't all have to look alike, think alike, act alike, and do things alike. But unity is when we come together and agree on what is important to God. And what's important to God, once again, the only thing that's important to God is his son. So there is there is that which is available to us only when we agree that the only way to the father is the son. Only when we agree that his standard is what matters and there is no other standard. Then it doesn't really matter where you're from. It doesn't really matter uh, you, how you even express yourself when you're expressing yourself according to the leading of the Holy Spirit who brings us to the point where we honor Jesus in everything we do. That's what a kindred spirit is. A kindred spirit is when you and I agree with God about what's important. And then where there's a kindred spirit, there's oneness. There's oneness of focus. There's oneness of purpose. And that purpose is that God has his way in anything that happens when we come together. I had some fun looking up the the definition of of, of knowledge in the Strongs, and one of the words that popped up was the word claim. And I realized that when you have an intimate knowledge of something, there's an ownership there. There's something that you can lay claim to. Am I right in hearing that uh, Paul was exercising that claim when he expressed himself in this way? Absolutely, uh, because Paul was fiercely focused on one thing. There are so many things that we can focus on uh, when it comes to our worship. We can focus on the people around us. We can focus on what's happening around us. We can focus on the world and what our responses ought to be. Uh, We can focus on our own personal experiences. But we need to bring all of those things to the feet of Jesus Christ and leave him there so we can focus on him. If you read the book of First and Second Corinthians, yes, Paul does. He visits many subjects and, and, and he talks about how we should act and how we should walk and how we should live together in unity in the light of those particular concerns. And at the end of the day, all of those things are cast down at the Lord's feet. And when we put Jesus first, then yes, there will be a certain way we conduct ourselves. But the real effort is to put Jesus first. The conduct will follow. If we put him first, we can put in the effort to conduct ourselves well. And perhaps that effort is a good thing. But the best thing is to get to the feet of Jesus and to let our efforts and and the life that we live, let it be a result of the fact that we, like Paul, considered nothing important except Christ and him crucified. I I think it's a matter of priority. There's more than priority, actually. There's life in it. There's only real, true life in a fellowship and in the life of a believer if that life issues forth from Jesus Christ. Christ. So putting first things first, keeping Christ first and everything that results from keeping Christ first will be pleasing to God. And that's where our claim is. Our claim is, is we have a hold of God according to his revelation in Jesus Christ. As we unpack this and I think about oneness, I'm reminded of what the Lord requires. We often talk about, and the scripture makes it clear that that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the bride of Christ. And you often remind us that Jesus is our husband. Can you just talk about this requirement, this singular focus on him and him alone, and the temptation to allow something more or something other to enter into our focus and attention. I believe that's the journey that all of us are on, the journey that puts us on that right road, that very narrow, straight road 
that Jesus says, few find. Why do few find it? Because there are so many alternatives and they're not all horrible alternatives or terrible alternatives or sinful alternatives. They're just other alternatives and anything other than the man Jesus Christ is something less than what God has for us. The singularity of focus is something that you don't find very often, even in the church. There, there's a lot of attention paid to, once again, what's going on around us and, and the world around us and how we ought to affect that world. I remember there being a real move, uh, what's called a theology of the city, for instance, that, that we were called to save our cities, that type of thing. And, and God never, ever sent us to do that, never, ever encouraged us to do that. His encouragement is for us to go and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Not that we might police the nations, but that we might be a light to the nations and people would see Jesus and follow him. And then everything God is after will come if we simply keep our eyes on Christ Jesus and make him the point. I just want to double down on the importance of not allowing anything other, because I believe this scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verses 24 through 25 is a real picture of what can happen if we're not careful. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Can you just talk about, Pastor, um, the danger here? Because Paul says in the passage that I read earlier, and my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom. And so here we read about one who says, I knew you to be. Earlier we talked about how Paul says, I sought to know nothing among you. Both claim to know something, but clearly one is pretty ill-advised. <laughs> Knowing about God and knowing God are two different things. Uh, I believe that the unfaithful servant that took his one talent and hid it, oh yes, he knew God. He was right. He presented the master as a shrewd businessman, one who expected results, one who expected to get back what it is that he had given out. And knowing about someone and knowing someone are two different things. The other two servants who took their one took their five talents and invested it and brought back 10 and was called good and faithful. The second had two talents and invested it and did well with it, brought back two and was called good and faithful. And this one who buried his talent and gave it back to the master was called wicked and lazy. And what he was lazy about was his relationship with the man that he thought he knew. He knew about him. He didn't know him because if he really knew him, he would have known what the expectations were. The expectations that God has for our life is he's given us opportunities. He's given us resource and he expects us to bring back to him something more than what he has given, because those opportunities are what he gives us the chance to glorify God. And when we glorify God, that which we bring back to him pleases him. That's because we know him. We know what his expectations are and we know what they look like, not because we have information about God, but because we have a spirit who lives in us and he teaches us what it is to be faithful. Pastor, I think 
we've established that knowing God, according to His Son, Jesus Christ, is really the point here. I'm just hoping you can encourage any of our listeners, anyone who's listening right now, who desire to know God more or better than uh, perhaps they do right now. We often talk about being God chasers. Can you just share what that looks like? Absolutely. You know, God comes to us uh, in his son. And I believe that our hearts and our lives are exposed. We are shown for who we really are with how we respond to what God shows us. The Lord doesn't hold us responsible for anything he has not given us and not shown us, but he will hold us responsible for what he has given us and what he has shown us. It tells on us. The Father is looking for those who will worship him and worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, according to what he's exposed us to, according to what he has shown us, he's much, much more than fair because he's given us a revelation of his son. And if there's anything good in us, if anything good in us that God is looking for, what it is, is an identification with an acknowledgement of what he has shown us. That's all I'm responsible for responding to what God has given me. And those who love God respond to what God has shown us in Jesus Christ. And we continue to do that because God shows us more and more of Christ as we walk with him. Pastor, the word tells us that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I don't necessarily want to give anyone who's listening to us uh, hoops to jump through or things to do, but I'm reminded of, of something you said to me in a conversation we had earlier, which was, I'm not going to wait for the crisis to come before I fast and pray. Can you just talk about that word diligence and your pursuit of the Lord? Yes. Uh, I believe that that, that just derives out of our love for God. And one thing that was hard for me to hear that I believe God shared with me years ago is that not all Christians love Jesus. And not all Christians love Jesus very much, even those who do love him. There are choices that we get a chance to make uh, once we give ourselves to Christ. And those choices involve how much we believe and how much we adhere to to that which God has spoken to us. If I really hear God accurately, I know that what he shared with me is the most important thing that I possibly could have heard. I know that walking with Jesus is the most important thing that I possibly can do. And I begin to live like that. The people that I have been around who are the most fruitful in the kingdom and who the, the sweetest reflection of God and what he is doing in them are the ones who paid attention to what God has said as if they're words of life and death. They take it seriously, so seriously that nothing that God has said is swept aside or put aside as if it's not important. But everything that God has said is dealt with and viewed as it is life and breath and air and water and bread, because that's what the Bible says that it is. And that's what I'm to live on. And that is what I'm to thrive on. That's what I'm to grow on. And it ought to be obvious in my life. If I really love Jesus Christ, it's an obvious thing. The fruits or the result of the Spirit living in me, a love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and meekness, and gentleness, faithfulness, self-discipline. 
that means that I have taken seriously what God has said to me and I have diligently sought him. That's what faith does. It diligently seeks the Lord. It is always found looking for Jesus. Where is he in this? What is he saying in this situation? What is he revealing in this situation? That is the life of someone who truly, truly loves God. And not all Christians love God the same. But all of us, all of us will grow in the things of Christ according to how much we love him. And if we, his, our love for him is the paramount thing in our lives, it will show there will be much fruit to prove that that's true. Pastor, we, t- we uh, alluded to the parable of the talents earlier and the, the servant who, who, who God himself called wicked and lazy who claimed that he knew God and, of course, was ill-advised. I'm reminded of this diligence that we talked about, and I'm reminded that Paul himself said in Philippians, not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfected. I do not count myself to have apprehended. He talks about pressing toward the goal for the prize. So is there an urgency, Pastor? Is there um, an urgency that goes along with with this diligence for the Spirit-filled saint? Absolutely. I was thinking about the term laziness. It speaks about laziness and lack of diligence and lack of effort and slothfulness and complacency. It speaks of that often. Uh, Solomon speaks of that often in the book of Proverbs. You know, my encouragement is for every saint to open your Proverbs daily and read the uh, proverb that matches that day of the month. It makes sense for us to be able to every day to read the proverb that corresponds to that day. And one thing that you'll notice when you read it is it speaks of this diligence. It speaks of a lazy man, for instance. The Bible says a lazy man is a brother of the great destroyer. Satan feasts on our lack of diligence. He feasts on our lack of attention to the things that that God would have us attend to. And so we need to to make sure we grab ourselves by the scruff of the neck and to show up every day to get instruction from God so that we're current with God and, and we're on time with God and we are doing that which God would have us to do right now, today. That's what God requires of us if we're going to grow in faith, that kind of diligence, being on point and being on time with God. Anything less than that, Uh, just puts us in a position where we are less than all we're called to be in God. That lack of discipline, which is far too prevalent among us, is something that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on, even if someone is listening to me right now. Not that our focus is on wrong things, is that often our focus is on other things, uh, even other good things, because the good thing is really the arch enemy of the best thing. God will have us focus on the best thing, and that is what he is saying to us in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit right here, right now, our attention to the Word of God. That is of paramount importance that we know what God is saying to us right here, right now, what he said to us today through what we have read and paid attention to, our our attention to the the preached Word, uh, our attention to what God will speak to us when we quiet ourselves and pray. Each and every one of us ought to be able to say, this is the Word of God for me right now, today. And if we can't say that, we need to go and to listen to God and ask him to speak to us so that we can. Each and every one of us that has a decision in front of us to make, that's an important decision. None of us should go forward until we have chapter and verse of instruction and wisdom and counsel as it pertains to that decision. That's what I believe that diligence looks like. And that's what I believe that relationship and once again, what knowing God looks like. Pastor, let's let's end this conversation with uh, the other dialogue that the Lord had in 
the parable of the talents. It, it says in Matthew 25, verse 20 and 21, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Two things there, Pastor, that I think every child of God strives to hear when we stand before him, and and that's well done and enter into the joy. Is this not the very picture of what it is to not only be called, but also chosen? Being called and chosen absolutely is the picture of what you described. Uh, Those of us that take what God has given us, what God has shown us, and invest it. That's what the two good servants, the servants to whom the master said, well done, that's what they did with what was given to them. So my question to everyone who's listening to me is, have you taken what God has given you, what he's made available to you and given it back to him? Have you taken it and said, Lord, I need you to show me what to do with the, with the opportunity and the resource that you have given me. You see, if we focus on what God has given us too much, then we will invariably compare what he's given us to what he's given someone else. And, and we may very well, like the unfaithful servant, make excuses for how we did not invest, how we did not come back to God for wisdom and counsel in, in order to employ the opportunity and the resource he's given us. But those who are called and chosen are those who take God's calling And then we work it out in fear and trembling, as the word says. We work out the word of God, the calling of God on our life in fear and trembling, constantly paying attention to what God says, constantly coming to him respectfully and honorably and asking him for step-by-step guidance and direction so that we're not taking what God has given us and running off with it. We're not taking what God has given us and burying it, but we're taking what God has given us and giving it back to him. We have a relationship, a conversation with God to where he's constantly, constantly teaching us what it is that he would have us to do with what he's given us. And if we do that, God's fingerprints on all that we do will be there and we will see the work of the Lord. Not only our work according to our diligence, but the work of the Lord with what we have offered to him. So it's a relationship once again. When God gives us something, he doesn't expect us to run off with it and do what we know how to do. What he expects us to do is come to him and say, Lord, I could run off with this and do according to my own wisdom and knowledge. But I know there's that wisdom and knowledge you would give me if I will just come back to you bring to you what you've given me and ask you how it is that I use this resource. How is it that I work? How is it that I invest? And that's what relationship looks like. And every good thing, every good thing that we accomplish is going to be accomplished according to relationship, according to the day-by-day conversation, the day-by-day walk we have with Jesus Christ and all that he's purposed for us. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Things I Wish Someone Told Me About God. We hope you found this discussion stimulating and enjoyable, as well as uplifting. So much so, that you'll tell a friend or two and listen in again. Pastor Eric and I will be back with the next episode shortly. Until then, may God bless and strengthen you in your walk with Him. On behalf of Pastor Eric, I'm Cody Willis, praying God's best for you.